Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, the 50th episode, mind you, of Cartridge Cinema Club. My name is Mark Champlin, and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace, and uh, she has joined me on uh, 50 episodes now. And you, the listener, have probably joined us on 15 or so. (laughs) (laughs) Holy fuck, girls and gays. I just... It's it's really weird. It's really weird that we've done 50 episodes of Cartridge Cinema Club because it was such a when we started it was such a na- like a nascent concept. It was so it was so like it was so fetal. It was such it was in such a larval form in, in a year ago when we started doing this podcast. And now it's like turned into a thing that I can't imagine not doing every week. It's it's really cool. Like <laughs> yeah. it's it's really genuinely cool. It's been really awesome to hear like that there are people that are tuning in every week and are fucking stoked about this show. Uh, I feel really fucking great about all of that, and I think the best way to celebrate that is to uh, talk about a really fucking weird movie that neither of us liked very much. <laughs> um, man, what a what a way to sum up every week of my life for the past fifty <laughs> weeks, um, except for the week we did Tron. That's a good movie. Yeah. Um, the Wizard. I'm gonna talk about it for a second, oh, uh, as as we do. Um, ma'am. So this movie's from 1989. Um, it is an American uh, family film with a deep understanding of Japanese video games. <laughs> uh, directed by Todd Holland, written by David Chisholm, and uh, starring uh, Fred Savage, Christian Slater, Jenny Lewis, Bo Bridges, Luke Edwards. Um, it was also Tobey Maguire's film debut. Um, I, where was toby mcguire in this movie i don't know he was probably like a background character i don't know why that was significant enough to mention (laughs) in the first paragraph of the wikipedia article like a as if toby mcguire is a really important person worth talking about and b as if toby mcguire plays a significant role in this film because he does not um yeah he's not a noticeable character in this at all um yeah uh you you wanted to uh to kind of go over a tiny content warning before you yeah. go over the plot. Um so yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go through the through the plot of this film which is not too complicated if we keep it to just the basics and don't explain any details. Um but yeah, uh this movie's weird. This movie's weird and uncomfortable and has some fucked up shit in it. Uh to be totally honest, uh there are going to be parts of this podcast where we talk about the sexualization of children. We're going to talk about uh, sexual assault and children, uh, and we're also going to talk about children and mental health. Um, so if those are any things that you're concerned about, we're going to be kind of getting into that probably like 20, 30 minutes into the podcast, so be aware of that before we kind of get into everything else. Now, you might be sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, Alex and Mark, how the fuck... <laughs> how the fuck does the 1989 american family film the wizard have anything like that and it will sit tight girls and gays because we're gonna get to it um so the wizard uh is about a there's there's a little kid his name is jimmy and he is like non-specifically neuroatypical at basically and he's he's the best at video games he's just the shit you just, you can't step to this motherfucker. Uh, and he and his brother, Fred Savage, are going to run away from home. And they're going to travel across the country hustling people at video games. And they're going to go win the big video game tournament in California. And they're going to make that motherfucking money. Uh, and then throughout the film, they're pursued by their father and older brother. Uh, and then there's this competing dude that was hired by Jimmy's biological mom and stepdad. And he's like, a, he his job is like to be a professional, like, 
runaway capturer. Like, he's basically, like, like a child kidnapper, but, like, on the up and up. Uh, and that guy sucks really bad. And a lot of the grossness in the movie is kind of centered around him. So we'll, we'll definitely come back around to him. But yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of the basic premise of it. it. It's, it's a road movie. It's a road trip movie kind of thing. Um, and it's also, uh, I called it last week a Nintendo propaganda film, which I think is still an accurate <laughs> descriptor. Um, all of the video games are, uh, Nintendo Entertainment System games. There ain't no fucking Turbo Graphics in this game, alright? There ain't no fucking Sega Master System in this ge in this movie. None of that shit. Uh, it's... It, it, this film was specifically designed to be built around product placement for Nintendo video games and merchandise. Uh, and the, the Apple, the Apple II was criminally underrepresented in <laughs> yeah, this movie. Ain't no fucking Commodore sixty four making an appearance <laughs> in the Wizard. Um, yeah, so so I would I would like to start with what were your general thoughts on the Wizard, Mark? Oh man, um, this was one of the weirdest movies. That I may have ever seen. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to make of this movie. It was simultaneously boring <laughs> and uh, confusing and I, I, it, <laughs> You're like the parts that were, <laughs> the parts that were supposed to excite me uh, left me dumbfounded and the posts, the parts that were supposed to be lighthearted uh, scared the shit out of yep. me. Um, I basically called this. Uh, child endangerment the movie um because the entire movie just had me like the, the, how old are these kids they shouldn't be doing this how the, the, they they shouldn't have been allowed to do this who was watching these children and also every adult in this movie scared the shit out of me i think that was the point i i, I couldn't decide if the point of the movie was that like this is from like a kid's perspective and adults are scary, and you know, kids understand each other. We we have kid code, and that's we we get each other. Uh, and adults don't understand, and that's why they're all scary. But also, even in the scenes where it was just adults, it was like Jimmy's dad and the and the professional child napper just like beating the shit out of each other's cars, <laughs> yeah. and like really just lots of like large male aggressive moments of like destroying personal property and uh, it's a strange film it's a strange film <laughs> i think it was um it was a it was a weird kind of slow burn for me on the uncomfortable and kind of bizarre nature of this film because i would say you see what they're going for. Yeah, but you like... know, it, 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 okay, look, you know, like, it starts out, and, and it's progressing normally as a normal children's adventure movie generally should, you know, there's, there's some drama with the parents, they're gonna run away from home, he's good at video games, you know, whatever, and it's not like, it's not like there's any individual moment where you're just like, what the fuck, this movie's fucking crazy, what is going on? It's just sort mm -hmm. of this, like, slow building of more and more uncomfortable and bizarre moments throughout the film that by the end I walked away feeling very creeped out and and weird about this movie. Like it's it's not it's not that it's terrible. It's certainly not good. It's boring. Like you you watch it and you're simultaneously bored and kind of horrified at the same time. Uh like you you can't look away even though you want to cuz you're falling asleep. Uh but it's just <laughs> 
it the the premise of the film at a base level is so terrifying, you know. It, it like like you said, it is child endangerment. The movie like it really is like this group of fucking like literal nine year olds or less. Like Jimmy, the little kid, is like he looks like he's like seven or something. Like he's a young fucking kid, and they're out on the road by themselves, getting chased after by a grown man, and and you know, you're, you want to tell yourself, like, oh, it's just a movie, oh, you know, it's a movie for kids, but repeatedly they are showing, like, uncomfortable, sexual, strange, bizarre Mm -hmm. situations, and it's always played for slapstick in this film, it's always, like, you, you feel that this film is asking you to laugh at things that you are not okay laughing at, it's very, it's very strange, um, and the other thing, no, go ahead, go ahead, no, I was just going to say the the thing I kind of realized as you were saying it, the, the weird thing about this movie compared to other kids' movies. Like, I'll compare this to maybe like Home Alone, mm-hmm. where like it's from the kid perspective, but at all times, the movie makes you feel like this kid through whatever divine movie magic is like in control the whole time. And mm-hmm. that illusion is never broken because he like gets the leg up on the adults at any given point. And the adults are generally like considered like kind of like they're not very effective. Mm -hmm. And he's in this movie, like power is never in the kids hands. Like, like big older kids, like, like older teenagers, like push them down and steal all their money. Yeah. And like adults, like successfully grab them and like take them away. And they have to like, like yell for their lives in a way that like, a real life kid would have to do if he was getting kidnapped. Yeah. And it's played for jokes. And that's why it's uncomfortable because it's not home alone where the kids are in control and, and the, and those, those dumb adults, they can't handle this kid, you know? Yeah. You know, we talk about the concept of like adult fear, right? You know, the concept of like things in films that when you're a kid are not scary to you, uh, mm-hmm. You know, when you're a kid, yeah. you're afraid of fucking skeletons and witches and shit. But when you're an adult, you're afraid of, like, your child getting hurt. You're afraid of, like, taxes, you know, and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, this movie, the the adult fear moments are so... They feel too real. They feel too much like something that could really happen. That y- you cannot let yourself fall into, like, eh, it's the Goonies, you know? Oh, it's Home Alone. <laughs> like, you can't... Yeah. You can't fall into that mindset because it is, like... It's genuinely disturbing. I think we need to kind of, like, run through this and, and kind of get to some specifics here because we are kind of talking yes. a lot about the broad strokes. Um, but, but kind of before we get to that, I do want to talk about the, the product placement stuff because it is so central to the public perception, the, the idea of The Wizard, the film... Um, and I gotta say, I really expected the product placement to be a lot more awkward and to be a lot more centered in the film. It's not nearly as, uh, as prominent or as, like, shoehorned as as I was expecting it Mm -hmm. to be. It really, like, if I didn't know that, you know, this film was, like, designed to be this, it was designed to show American Super Mario Brothers 2 and how sick the power glove is... I don't think that I would even have interpreted it that way. I think I would have just seen it as like, yeah, it's a movie about video games, except for a couple scenes, which we'll talk about. But before we get to that, I kind of want to know what what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I feel similarly to this about uh, the as how I felt about Wreck It Ralph in that all the real life stuff could have been switched out for like fake video game mm-hmm. stuff that was invented for the world, and the plot wouldn't be meaningfully changed. Uh, so that being said, it allowed me to enjoy the product placement because it didn't feel 
shoehorned. Yeah. Like clearly it was, but they managed to make like a real movie. Like they they clearly had like an actual movie in mind, I guess, uh, before Nintendo came along. I don't know if that's true, but it makes sense to me that that could be true. Yeah, I guess we should say as like an aside real quick that like, you know, we watch a lot of straight up absolute fucking garbage on this podcast and this is not that, you know, this is a competently put together film with decent actors that's like mostly makes sense for the most part and has like a A to B to C in a plot and has characters that sort of make sense. Uh, and doesn't look like shit. <laughs> I don't know? think Christian Slater would like look back on this movie today and be like ashamed that that was one of his movies when yeah. he was a young yeah. adult. I think he's fine with it. It's a real movie. Yeah, it really is. Um, that said, there are there are particular scenes where the product placement stops uh, stops feeling yeah. natural and starts to feel really shoehorned. Uh, and I think the main thing that I want to talk about here is the power glove scene, the famous power glove scene. Um, yeah. If you have not seen clips from this or seen it, I highly recommend watching it because basically there is a there is an ad for the power glove in the middle of this in the middle of this movie. There is a commercial for the power glove basically. Um, if you don't know the power glove, it was a peripheral for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It is a big, stupid glove that you put over <laughs> your entire arm, and it's got some buttons on it, and it's got a motion sensor, and you're meant to play the video game. You know, it's basically like it's like basically a VR controller or like you know a Wiimote, but like two decades too early. And this thing, mm -hmm. like the really important thing to understand before I describe this scene is that the power glove did not fucking work. The power glove no. was like a trash piece of piece of technology. It did not work. You could not play games with it. It was a nightmare to use. Uh, and this scene is amazing because yeah. it's... <sighs> it's irresponsible that this scene looks the way that it does. <laughs> it's so good. Because the power, power glove, girl power glove did not work like this. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's this character in this movie, and this is my favorite character in the movie. It's this kid named Lucas who is, like, wearing a leather jacket and has sunglasses <laughs> on and, like, I guess just, like, lives at this gas station in Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in stage one of puberty, yeah. which is where your, your voice goes down, like, a half octave, yeah. not the full <laughs> octave yet. And he's, you know, he's, 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 he's the real surly type of 13-year-old. Yeah. He's... he's <laughs> Chewing on a toothpick-looking motherfucker. It <laughs> <He> really is, <laughs> and, it, and it's a great performance because the the kid that they got to do it is just leaning into it so hard. And like you know, he has this scene where he challenges Jimmy to video games, and he takes the power glove out of this like, <laughs> like out of like 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 a metal briefcase that he's got like padding in, like something that you would keep like a drone in or something. <laughs> You know, and he like takes it's nicer it out. than what I keep my trumpet in, yeah. <laughs> and like puts on the power glove and starts playing fucking Rad Racer, and it's like showing it from all these dramatic angles, and like it literally is just a fucking power glove commercial. And then he has the iconic line from this movie, the best line in this movie, where he like basically looks at the camera and says, "I love the power glove. It's so bad." It's just one of my favorite fucking things in the world. Which is which is very true and not in the way that he meant it. Yeah, really. Uh, um, that thing does not work. Yeah, I don't know if I have a ton to say about it other than, like, you know, that moment and, like, the... There's, like, a part where they talk about Nintendo Power 
and there's a part where they talk about, or there, there's a scene where they're shown like calling into the Nintendo helpline that used to exist in the 80s and 90s. Um, and those moments are kind of the only parts where it really feels like super shoehorned product placement. I think everything else is actually like, I hate to give this movie this credit, but it is it is pretty like naturally woven into the narrative, I think. It doesn't feel awkward uh, for them to be doing that. Even the part at the end of the movie, you know, there's this kind of like other famous scene where they reveal Super Mario Bros. 3. And that was the first time that anybody in America had seen Super Mario Bros. 3. And even that moment like doesn't feel that out of place in weird for the characters that they've established and like the world they've kind of shown thus far. Like it... I think it kind of works. I think it kind of works for the most part. It's not the thing about the movie I hate, which is surprising to me. I was not expecting that, I guess. Apparently, the part where the where the girl says, Jimmy, get the flute, activate the warp, mm-hmm. is like also a meme line. <laughs> I didn't know this, but I was talking to, um, to a couple of friends who happened to be in their 40s, <laughs> and they remember this movie very, very fondly. Hmm. Uh, this movie like was their childhood, which you know sucks, sucks to suck. Sucks, I mean, I, I I I had shitty movies from my childhood too, whatever. Yeah, but um, yeah, apparently that that was also a big line. I think I I did think it was funny that the movie did it, it had like an accurate representation of what Mario three was. It really was. They showed like several actual levels of Mario three, and he used the warp whistle correctly. Yeah. I watched. You watch him like pause and and select the warp whistle the way you actually do, and that was that was that was, that was fun. Yeah, amazing Whatever. that they managed to in the film that was largely created to advertise Nintendo products properly show how Nintendo products work. Yeah, some sometimes Nintendo can competently do that. Maybe not not as much anymore, but you know yeah. sometimes they, yeah. they, they they once had the ability to do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's um let's dig into some of the some of the nastier. Uh, stuff here. I think the first thing that we really want to focus on uh, is this movie and mental health, this movie and like child mental illness. It's very strangely handled and I would say ultimately Mm -hmm. is kind of offensive and bad. Um, It could be a lot worse, but I think, okay, let's, there's a lot of setup to roll through. So let's, let's roll through that. Um, Yes, for sure. For sure. So early on in the film, Jimmy is Jimmy, who is the main character, the, He's not really the main character. Fred Savage is more like the main character. Jimmy is just like a plot point because he barely talks. Um, and he's he's not really involved in the plot beyond being good at video games. He's more like a, a piece that other characters move around on a chessboard. Um, but he is referred to as being heavily traumatized. That's like a direct quote. Um, and his parents are talking about putting him in an institution. Uh, they talk about how he's... Uh, he's, like, obsessed with stacking things. He's always shown, like, stacking blocks on top of each other. He's always shown, like, anytime he's, like, left to his own devices, he just, like, stacks things. Um, he's mostly nonverbal. Um, and he's clearly coded as autistic by the film. But the film isn't gonna touch that shit. And it's fucking 1989. Like, they're not, they're not going to be particular about it. Um, and I think not being particular about it is one of the weaknesses because I think if they were more particular, mm, I don't know. I might take that back actually, because if they were more particular, they probably would have fucked it up even worse. Um, yeah, this is where I'm torn on the stacking thing actually, Mm -hmm. because, uh, 
the fact that he always is stacking things like stacking Legos into certain types of towers. At one point they're in a drive-in movie theater and he's stacking like old popcorn containers in a similar way. And uh, there's no payoff for the stacking. Um, It's just a thing that they, that they decided that like a traumatized or possibly autistic kid would be doing. Uh, And I thought there was going to be some like elaborate plot payoff that has to do with his trauma um, that that also would have been shitty because (laughs) like like you're probably thinking like like they're going to make it some like dumb like, oh, and he does this because he's autistic and autistic people do this because blank, which would have been incorrect yeah. and misleading yeah um yeah i think uh the scene that i really want to focus on for why i think this is like badly handled and weird um is specifically yeah. the part you know he's shown like stacking the the popcorn buckets um and fred savage basically says something along the lines of like oh he's he's still stacking that means he's not getting better um and and the there's two implications there that are gross uh the first implication is that like this character's autism can be cured that this character's autism is like you know just like a wholly negative thing uh that hopefully will will dissipate at some point is sort of the implication and and the other implication and this is something that like is very particular um is that they're implying that like his habits and the sort of tics and coping mechanisms that he's developed specifically the stacking thing um is bad um, and that he needs to change those things in order to be, like, quote-unquote normal. Like, there's a very, like, sort of, like, this kid is broken and needs to be fixed attitude mm-hmm. from every character in the movie towards Jimmy. Um, and it's, you know, that's kind of uncomfortable and not cool. You know, that's 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 a, like, stigma that a lot of autistic people have been very deliberately fighting against for a very long time. You know, the the view that... Like, autism is is something broken inside a person that has to be changed rather than autism being just, like, a different way for someone's thought process to work, a different way to view the world and experience the world. Um, it's... I don't like it. It's uncomfortable in this movie. Um, and I think you wanted yeah. to talk about uh, the, the sort of... The Rain Man comparison with this. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. for sure. The, the influence of Rain Man on cinema is something that I kind of wanted to briefly touch on. Yeah. Which is just... The the idea that every um, autistic person or person with um, Asperger's or anything on that sort of spectrum, uh, th- they all have some sort of secret genius mm-hmm. uh, or secret skill that can be utilized by the people around them uh, in order to make this person valuable because otherwise they're just a burden. Yeah. Uh, is God, it's so gross and it's so pervasive. Um, I quick, quick real life uh, tangent. I had a friend in high school who was autistic and, um, he, there was a couple of incidents, uh, with him, uh, kind of having like outbursts and, you know, not being struggling to relate to some kids, some kids really making fun of him, being really cruel to this fucking kid. And one of the things the teacher said to me once is like, Hey, uh, uh, kids, kids name here, uh, is so good at math you guys have no idea and they went on this tangent about how he can multiply any two numbers together that you give him and 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 you know what you guys never see that you never see how smart and good he is at math so you should be nice to him and of course it's not a conversation about how 
people as human beings are inherently valuable. It's like what what can be exploited or used or marketed. Yeah, how can uh, this person serve <laughs> capitalism and therefore have this... value? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. Yeah, and that's this movie. That's totally this movie, right? You know, it's like That's literally the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, how does how does Jimmy become a character that people care about? How does Jimmy become like valuable to the rest of the cast? They find out he's good at video games. You know, like it, it there's he doesn't have any sort of like emotional like moment with any of the other characters. There's nothing that like where they learn to accept him for the person that he is. It's damn that boy can play some Mario and therefore he's useful to us. Yeah, it's um it's pretty gross. Uh and you know what else is gross? The the kid This is a weirdly horny movie. Uh, and not in, in the, ways, the worst way and not in the ways that we usually talk about on this show. I think most of the time when we're talking about horny stuff on the podcast and making jokes about horny stuff on the podcast, it's like, oh, this cartoon is weird and has a lot of feet jokes in it. And that feels uncomfortable in 2019. Haha, <laughs> let's make jokes about it. Um, I don't think it's really very funny here. I don't think we're going to be making a lot of uh, jokes, uh, throughout this next section. Um, yeah, so let's talk about Haley. Haley is is the girl in this movie because <laughs> yeah. because there's because there's always a girl. There's always in one 80s, <laughs> in these '80s movies. Yeah, and she's you know she's spunky, she's plucky, uh, <laughs> as they always are. Yeah. They have that that similar personality. Um, but she's like 13 years old, 12, 13. Um, she's they meet her at a bus station and they. And she comes up with the idea to like swindle people across the country out of mm-hmm. money so that they can earn uh, the fifty thousand dollar prize. Uh, so she's kind of going with them, and she's got a mysterious old backstory. Her dad is a trucker, and therefore she knows trucker code. <laughs> and she kind of like helps them travel around the the country a little bit better with a little more knowledge. Uh, at one point, she says, uh, "My mom was a showgirl and has great legs." I have her legs too. What do you think? Uh, and yeah. at this point, I I wrote down that quote I think verbatim, and I was like, <laughs> "So what the fuck?" Yeah. First of all, yeah. So she is a weirdly sexualized character, and she's like a child, and it's very strange. And it's it's not it's not it's not necessarily in this movie that the kids are explicitly sexualized, but it's that they keep putting the kids in sexualized situations and then that's supposed to be funny and it's really fucking weird. And I think, you know, there's kind of an iconic part of this movie where this, this comes into play where, uh, the professional child napper guy is, is grabbing Jimmy and taking him away. Uh, and Haley's way out of this is to scream at the top of her lungs and say, he touched my breast and point at the guy. Um, and so the implication there is that she knows that this works. Uh, she knows that, uh, if this guy is accused of being a pedophile, he will be taken away by people. And it also implies that she's done this before. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't like that implication for what is like a 12 year old girl. Um, and like that moment in the film keeps getting brought up the part the he touched my breast part. Like, you know, there's a part where like the child kidnapper guy says, actually, it's awful. His line is he's like getting on a payphone and he's pissed off and grumbling to himself. And he says something like, I touched her breast. She doesn't even have breasts. And it's like, are we supposed to think that this is funny? That this like, 
Yeah, multiple Fuck. characters in this movie, particularly her, uh, of the kids, like, have, like, knowledge of, like, sexual situations mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah, that that demand <laughs> a further backstory that this movie wouldn't possibly dare uh, address, nor maybe should. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, they should have left it out entirely. And the uncomfortable moments just keep coming. You know, like there's yeah. a part where uh, the, the announcer at the video game tournament at, at the end uh, calls up the, the female finalist to the stage, grabs her from behind, calls her gorgeous, and starts touching her hair. And it's like not it's not really there's no attention drawn to it it just happens in the film and over after a while i was just sitting there like you know i was born in 1995 you know were the 80s just like this is this just how it was were people just was this is this just what the culture was like or is this movie extra fucking weird because i'm not i'm genuinely not sure yeah, I I find myself when I watch old movies being like, so bodily autonomy was invented in like 1997, <laughs> I guess. I I don't know, but like, yeah, every every woman in this movie is made to feel uncomfortable by a man in a, and and in a, like a deeply strange way. Yeah, and there's and the, all every, all of them are children. Yeah, and there's like the whole thing where like like Fred Savage is supposed to have a thing with Haley. And, like, it's so uncomfortable because they're both children. But, like, the way that Fred Savage hits on her is... Like, because, okay, I find Fred Savage to be quite scary uh, in this film. Uh, he's, like, you know, because he's, like, 11. Um, and he's not, like, a child. He's, like, a tiny little adult. And it's very... It's unsettling. Like, the way that he talks and the way that he, like, acts is not... And this is like a Fred Savage thing. This is not a The Wizard thing. I found sure. that to be very, very like creepy. And that really plays in with like the weird romance shit. Cause like there's a part where like, you know, in during the power glove scene, these two characters, Fred and Haley, who have like had basically no interactions of this type at all up to this point, Fred Savage just says, he lo- turns to Lucas and goes, Okay, yeah, but how about you just keep your power gloves off of her, pal, huh? And then, like, grabs her shoulder, and it's really fucking weird. And there's, like, another scene later where he tries to kiss her, and she says she would never kiss a boy, uh, and then kisses him anyway. And then at the end, Jimmy and Fred Savage both kiss her on the cheek. I don't... I don't know. I don't know if I have a conclusion. It's just... It's just unsettling this movie is unsettling i didn't care for it yeah the i mean the romance is is very forced i agree with you in that the fred savage the actor uh (laughs) turned 18 the day he turns 12 uh (laughs) yeah i don't know what it is his voice is completely unchanged uh in in this movie but the way he talks is like a teen in like in in like a in like a fast times type of movie <laughs> yeah. which is really like he literally talks like he's fucking the the bad boy in the breakfast club whose name i can't remember right now yeah, he does it's really fucking weird it's all weird yeah he there's a part where he like hits on a cocktail waitress and it has that yeah. same energy it's just like dude why the fuck why the fuck are these 11 year olds so fucking horny like what is well, like come, y'all <laughs> 
why do these 11 year old characters need to be written this way yeah it's like it's, could it could have just been like a kid movie like about kids the the romance adds nothing except to make audiences uncomfortable here's the thing when i was like 10 years old the the age bracket of kids who would be watching this movie with their parents romance made me like feel awkward and i didn't like watching it with my parents Mm -hmm. so this wouldn't even be good for like a kid's movie absolutely absolutely (laughs) anything else you want to say about the wizard before we wrap this up mark uh the wizard is a film that i watched (laughs) today man 50, 50 <laughs> episodes of cartoon cinema club we've really narrowed down our critical eyes here we've really become we've, we've really become cultural critics for the ages I, what are we watching next week mark uh, listen man, i i drove from los angeles <laughs> to san diego today it took two and a half hours as it does um i'm i'm, I'm tired and uh i'm tired of uh, these movies, uh, mm-hmm. but that's why we're gonna watch a show. Yeah. Uh, so uh, nice, nice, uh, nice tie-in, mm-hmm. uh, which fits the theme of this episode uh, in multiple ways because the whole movie this week was a tie-in for this game. <laughs> we're watching the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers Three. It is also an American-made about a Japanese game mm-hmm. uh, television series uh, produced by Deke, uh, which which says. Something which means uh, we definitely. have we are cautious already because Deke is <laughs> which, behind this. There's probably some memes, yeah, uh, to be to be generated and or ex and or's origin explained w- with this upcoming episode. I'm mm-hmm. excited. Um, it was it ran for for 26 episodes during 1990. Uh, apparently, uh, it is the yeah it is the second animated series to be based on a Mario video game. Maybe this one has a sweet rap. Like the Super Mario Brothers Super does. Show. Yeah, so this is this is like a pretty much a direct follow up to the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, which we've already covered. Uh, I am expecting a similar level of quality and strangeness uh, for next week's episode, which is going to be on the one year anniversary of the first episode of Cartridge Cinema Club, which is fucking awesome. Thank fucking dude, like thanks y'all. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for fucking listening to this bullshit every week. Y'all are wild. I love every single person that takes the time out of the week to listen to us talk about bad video game movies for like 30 to 45 minutes. I think that's beautiful. I think it's super awesome that there's a community around this podcast. You guys are all very sweet. You've been very supportive of the project, and I think that's great. Working yeah, thanks for fucking thanks for being the best part of my week everybody yeah definitely appreciate it seriously where can people find the podcast on the internet mark uh you can find us on twitter at cartridge cinema uh no club there i almost said club at cartridge cinema yep. uh, i guess cartridge cinema club was taken it's probably. too long you, you know what too long in a, well you like it wouldn't let me put cartridge cinema club anyway uh, i was i thought it was just that brevity is the soul of wind no okay <laughs> no, it's Twitter no. character limits of the soul of wit. Join the Discord. Yeah. It's linked on the Join the Discord. Post. It's <laughs> I can do my job. Uh my dog is screaming into the microphone, basically. Uh iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, OGs. Oh, Thanks for sticking around. Uh, if you've listened to the SoundCloud version every week, that's pretty rad, because mm-hmm. that means you're a super OG. Um you should rate us. 
positively or negatively if you if you didn't like this one <laughs> it was kind of a mess but i'm still happy about it yeah um the music is by dj tin man the art is by courtney kaufman and for me it was tuesday Gin- ginger can you stop Aww. please That's fine. So the reason that I called Ginger Joseph uh, apparently has been has been asked. Um, so we called her Ginger, but she looks like a potato. So we called her Spud when we first got her, and then I combined the words Spud and Ginger into Spudger. Um, and then I thought that uh, the oh, where did it go from there? Okay, so it was from Ginger to Spud to Spudger. Which sounded like Spud Joe, and then I just call, started calling her Spud Joe, and then I reversed that and started calling her uh, Joe Spud, which of course was short for Joseph Spud, and then I started calling her, then I started calling her uh, Joseph P. Spud, attorney at law, and because I thought that was funny uh, to pretend that she was an attorney, because she'd be terrible at that, because she's a dog, um, she would win none of her cases. And then I just started calling her Joseph. <laughs>